10 a.m., which means it's time for Utah Car Sense with Jeff Miller and Austin Horton. Presented by Mark Miller Subaru on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome in to Utah Car Sense. I am Jay Catch. Uh, not Austin Horton today, but filling in for Austin. I am with Jeff Miller today. Jeff, how's it going, sir? Going well. It's good. Not too bad. This is my first time hosting this, Utah Carson. This is your first time filling I, in, isn't it? I've produced this show in the past. It's true. But I've never hosted. So I'm on the opposite side of the glass for today's show. So I'm excited to do that. Should be a fun show. We're going to have a lot to talk about. I think first things first, you're wearing a Utah Jazz hat, Jeff. And we were just talking about what Damian Lillard did last night against the Los Angeles Lakers. Should he, we start there a little yeah, bit? Yeah, let's start there real quick. Okay. He was good. He was really good. <laughs> in a very emotional game there with Kobe tribute and mm-hmm. everything. It was cool to see. I really like Damian Lillard. Obviously, huge Utah ties with him. Correct, yes. Yeah, my uh, actually, with our family, my brother-in-law was the assistant coach up at Weber State when he was here. So he was, was, one, he, of, was, he was he, one of the recruiters okay. for yeah. Damian Lillard, Tim Gardner. Okay, yeah. So Hold up. You're related to Tim Gardner? Yeah. Okay, so Tim's my brother-in-law. So right. Yeah, so he's very close with Damian. And okay. To see him playing how he's played the last five six games is pretty incredible. Yeah. I just hope he hope he cools off tonight. That, I think that, I think all of us <laughs> agree with that. The forty eight points yeah. on thirty shots last night. Impressive, impressive outing for sure. And last night, obviously, it's been an emotional week in the NBA as a whole with the. Uh, the, the death of Kobe Bryant and everything. Last night, the Los Angeles Lakers hold, hosting their first game since his death. And I have to say, the, the tributes that have kind of poured out all week long for Kobe, but particularly last night with LeBron speaking to the crowd and everything, I thought it was a really, really cool night. That's cool. I think it's, it'll extend into the All Star break and everything mm, yeah. like that. It's going to be it's going to be well well deserved. Well, and they're saying that they're going to have the memorial for his life during the All Star break when it seems like you can get more people to go, etc. And yeah, you're right. It will extend until then. Is that uh, interesting story I was reading, speaking of the Kobe Bryant okay. stuff, about the Super Bowl commercials. Have you read the, the adjustments? The, so there's two, few, or three, yeah. there's two or three Super Bowl commercials that are adjusting to be more sensitive to the Kobe Bryant. Correct. Uh, one yeah. of them I know, uh, Mr. Peanut, the whole... Uh, the, the him dying yeah. or them killing off his character and then as soon as that they kind of went with that the week lead up and then Kobe Bryant has it and they're like, okay, yeah, we're not going to be doing yeah, that Yeah, we so can't much. do that. We're going to pull that one then... Uh, Honda, I think, had one with Chrissy Teigen and John Legend that right. had a helicopter in it. Yes. It was featured that they're going to take out. And then Toyota made it, said they're making last-minute edits to its Super Bowl ad to remove a scene that could be perceived as insensitive. Okay. But well. they wouldn't say what it is. But, so, but they, they're altering their stuff Yeah, they said as well. it was a 60-second spot that Toyota had that they're going to be changing due to recent news events. Okay, well, uh, they wouldn't tell what the ad was, but yeah, well, I think they're, a lot, they're. It's kind of funny about Super Bowl commercials because you have these companies that are like, you know what? Let's just throw it out there so everybody can see it in the lead up to the game. And there's other companies like, no, we ain't, we're not about to. Yeah, because it used to be. We were talking about this last week a little bit on okay. Super Bowl commercial. Like it used to be, especially like the car commercials and all that. Is it was about, that was part of the excitement of the game? Correct. Is to see the new commercial. Now yeah. everyone kind of you already knows, have an idea. Yeah, I like the ones that are doing the teasers. Yeah, I like the ones that have like a teaser out like the State Farm ad. It's like two two twenty. So, so it's like, huh, what's the ad going to be? Like, I like that idea. Yeah. I don't like the showing your ad a week before because then you see it and it's like, I've seen it. Yeah, I've already seen that. And I wrote at the Super Bowl party. like, oh, that one's old. <laughs> well, and see, like, so so let's start here. So we can start off with this a little bit. So Jeep, I don't know if you've seen some of the teasers for the Jeep commercial that's mm-hmm. coming out. Well, 2-2 two, two, two is Groundhog Day. Yep. And it all happens to be Super Bowl Sunday this year. Well, Jeep is combining Groundhog Day, the movie, of course, with into their commercials. There's rumors that Bill Murray will be in it. In the teaser of it, though... Uh, 
Uh, the guy who plays Ned Ryerson is actually part of Stephen Tobolowski is the actor's yep. name. He's been featured in it, and I love the movie Groundhog Day. It's one of my favorites. I think it's an absolute classic. So I'm very excited to see this ad. So I'm with you. The teasers are kind of how I enjoy getting ready for the game. Yeah, it's definitely a Bill Murray recurring. It's going to be a good one. That one's going to be one of the better ones. I'm yeah. excited for the, is it the Kia ad that's got the, all the Boston people in it? Yes. That that's looks... that's going to be a good one, too. Should think... be a, it should be a good good yeah. Super Bowl for car ads. Yeah, they're setting up, I think, to have a good run here. And I think Kia's also doing one with Josh Jacobs and also featuring the Las Vegas Raiders with their move to Las Vegas recently. So it should be a fun uh, a fun Super Bowl Sunday. Let's. Th- I actually want to ask you, Jeff. What do you do? You have any Super Bowl Sunday traditions? Your family, you guys get together. What do you guys do? No, not really. We're going skiing. Okay, so we're gonna go skiing before it, and hopefully get home in time for kickoff. <laughs> well, you got till what four thirty? Four thirty. Yeah, should be all right. So you probably could. You could probably. And, I got a full day of skiing. Exactly. In and, and get home for for kickoff. Right? The, yeah, in the state of Utah, you should be able to yeah, I don't get think off. We're going to any parties this year. I think it's okay. gonna be a nice mellow. Mellow Super Bowl at home, which is be good. What's your favorite? Got to got to TiVo the puppy ball before though. The, puppy That's the ball, important obviously. stuff. The puppy and kitten ball, like <laughs> we're Subaru, right? Yes, absolutely. It's funny. That's that. Subaru's thing. Subaru's thing sponsoring the puppy bowl. They don't. How do long it. have they done that? I know they've seen their oh, ads on five, it for a while. Five years, it's been probably, a little bit. Five or six okay. years. It's the most hilarious thing ever. It is. It is fun. <laughs> I, I I usually catch the tail end of it and kind of the lead up to the Super Bowl and everything. It's pretty fun. But the nice part is if you're going skiing, kickoff's not till 4.30. And in the state of Utah, we all talk about how how accessible the ski areas are or ski resorts here. You should be able to cruise down the canyon and make it just fine if you want to really catch the last lift of the day. Exactly. You know, the, uh, the Bleacher Report put a, did a feature on the starting lineups for the Puppy Bowl. <laughs> Oh, they did? They did not. They absolutely did. It's on, Ble- on BleacherReport.com. There's an article, the starting lineups and the analysis for the Puppy Bowl. I need to go look that up. Absolutely. <laughs> get to, get some lowdown on who's starting in that game. All right, Jeff. So, of course, this is Utah Cars. Since we're talking cars, let's open up the phone lines. Anybody wants to call in, 855-340-ZONE, 855-340-9663. Weigh in with your thoughts. Everybody who calls in today will be entered to win movie passes as always we like to reward the people who like to interact with the show and also we have a question today i threw it up on twitter last night my twitter feed is at jacob c hatch i threw it up last night the question of the day is how has your taste in cars changed over the years if at all and also a follow-up question what caused you to change tastes as well Um, because I was reading up on some different stories last night and i have to say and you can speak more to this than i even could but the electric car revolution is really taking off right it's now. It's coming. It's not quite here, but it's coming. But it's coming, coming it yeah. It is in the near future. In the next two, three years, we'll be talking a lot about electric cars. And I think just about every manufacturer within three years will have some sort of fully electric model. Does Subaru have one in the pipeline, or yeah. is it already out? Yeah, Subaru has one. They're, they have a joint project with Toyota okay. that they announced about six, seven months ago. All right. We're probably 2022, 2023. Okay. Somewhere in there, but you'll have a full electric the techn- crossover. The technology. Oh, a crossover. It'll be a crossover. Okay, very yeah. cool. They, well, won't, they won't do it in a sedan at all. It'll be a crossover of some kind. Yeah, the technology is just absolutely fascinating to me. It's just, it, it, I, I, I look at uh, what's coming and it's, it's cool to see, but at the same time, I'm sitting there thinking like, man, are we all going to go electric here in the near future? I, I just have my my questions regarding how many people are going to switch over immediately versus how much over time, et cetera. And we talk about this a lot on the show. I, I love the plug-in idea. Okay. I mean, I, I'm, I'm driving a Subaru plug-in right now. Okay. And it's amazing. 
I mean, it gets 17. To, I mean, the plug-in's all in the ones in the market, somewhere between 17 to 25 miles on the yeah. battery, and then it goes to gas. Mm-hmm. So it does give you the best of both worlds. If you're just commuting back and forth to work, you usually can plug in in the time and be fully charged by the time you're going to drive it again. And you can zip So home. you can literally be yeah. on an electric car the whole time. Or if you want to go on a road trip or whatever, you have the gas motor to yeah. take care of you there. I mean, I'm driving, the one I'm driving right now, the tank I'm on, I've driven 380 miles on the tank. Okay. Use just over a quarter tank of gas. <laughs> wow. I'm okay. At, I'm at 87 miles a gallon in an all-wheel drive Subaru. That's awesome. Yeah. That is fantastic. It's incredible. Like, and I don't worry about not no. being able to fill it with gas. Yeah. Because the worry that people have, and it's a founded worry, is the fact that they haven't figured out, short of these supercharger sites, which is still a 10 or 15 minute ordeal, yeah. if you can get first in line and if be you there, can right? Get, yeah. You can get plugged and in. So no one wants to go on a road trip in an electric car because what happens, okay, I drive 250 miles and I have to go plug it in for two hours? No. That doesn't work. Yeah, that doesn't work in that regard, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, always that question, I I think. Yeah, I mean, it works great for a commuter car around, a second car. We sell a lot of used Nissan Leafs as second cars. We had a a caller call in a couple weeks ago talking about that. I had a Leaf that's my second car that I just use to go back and forth it's to work. His, and then when okay. we have family stuff over the weekends, we use the other car. Also, he has the one car that leaves in the garage for the family stuff. That's but family. during the week, yeah. he's just he's on the electric. During okay. the week, back and forth to work, he plugs in. at. He said his school he's at has mm-hmm. an electric charger in their garage. So okay. he can plug in at work, plug in at home, and hey. he never uses gas. That's awesome. If you if you can do that, I think it's an absolutely phenomenal feature. The, the electric car revolution needs cheaper batteries. Light, lighter batteries. <laughs> they they are heavy and faster charging. I agree with that. Yeah, and if they can get those three things figured out, which I think they will. I'm not worried about yeah. that. I think ten years, it's mostly electric. Vast, okay, vast majority of cars on the road will be electric in the next ten years. And see, the funny thing to me is, I, I'm a kid who grew up in here in Utah and everything. We always it seems like every year, and right now the state legislature is in session and everything. And every year the question comes up: What are we going to do about Utah's air? <laughs> well, one thing that would help, I absolutely would be electric cars, the non-zero emission type of type of a deal. But I'm with you. you you've got to make it practical. I think is the biggest thing, and I'm. I'm fascinated. I absolutely am fascinated by what's coming because as I was researching different stories last night, let's start off with this one. I can talk about this. So Tesla, obviously, they kind of are on the forefront of the battery or the electric car thing. Well, they have started producing their Model Y, which is actually, it's going to be coming out sooner than originally anticipated. Uh, The Tesla vehicles are Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) It's a great, that's always a good point. They've never hit a deadline in their history. That is a good point to put put that clarification on it. But reading up on this, it's kind of fascinating that all of the features that are going into this are going to, in their parlance, that it's going to revolutionize the car industry. I'm with you, though. I think that the the electric uh, revolution, yes, you need to be able to charge your car in, let's say, 10 to 15 minutes max. So that way, if yeah, if you are taking on a road trip, you drive the max you can drive on that, you pull over. It's essentially like filling up your car with gas. Mm-hmm. You have a 10 to 15 minute pit stop, and then you're back on the road. It has to be like that, or it's not going to be practical for most people, I feel like. Uh, that's the hard part. And it's the charging part, and people... They're so used to how they've driven a car for their entire life yeah. that I run out of gas, I go to the gas station, it takes me two minutes, mm-hmm. I fill up the gas, and I go. And they're so used to that. We hear it every day, and that's the problem is that people have to get over that. <laughs> I mean, they're never going to get electric cars down to the point where it can charge like a 
Yeah, it's not going to be you plug it in for two seconds yeah. and off you go. But you're going to have to anticipate, okay, if I can get it 10, 15, 20 minutes and then I'm back on the road. But, I mean, how many times you've been late for something and you're, you run out of gas yeah. and, okay, i got to quickly fill up and you, you don't even fill up a full tank. No. You just put in a couple gallons just so you can get going. <laughs> yeah. Like, that doesn't work if you're an electric car. No. And that's, I, I wonder about that part of it, if we'll be able to ever, or just in terms of humanity as a whole, we'll be able to. <laughs> I mean, Tesla tried it for a little while. They did battery exchanges. Correct. Yes, I and did it, see that. I don't. I, you haven't heard anything about that anymore. No. They had so many problems with it; it just didn't work. Where you could just pull up over a thing, it pulled the battery down out of the car, came it, back in, put another battery in, and you called it a day. Like, well, and so just that I know, like in thought and theory, that is a great idea. But yes, the the problem is, is it going to just the, the total practical nature of it, just how much time it takes. Yeah, and right. It, and everyone doesn't have the same batteries. Correct. So you yeah. can't do battery swaps unless you're just Tesla for Tesla. But uh-huh. even the, what, where Tesla ran into the problem is even the, across their car lines, the batteries are different. Yes. and Right? So the Y has got it different than the X. It's got it different than the P. That So yeah. only like... Yeah, if you have, you have to get your specific exactly. battery type. So they can't store enough batteries mm-hmm. that they're recharging and... It, it became a nightmare. I think they shut it down. I don't know if they. I don't. If I we have any Tesla listeners out there that know anything about it, call in and tell us. But I'm pretty sure they shut down the battery exchange program. Yeah. So yeah, feel free to call in with any of your thoughts on anything regarding cars. This is Utah Car Sense. Obviously, eight five five three four zero nine six six three three four zero zone. Love to get your thoughts on whatever is on your mind with regards to vehicles. Uh, Jeff, I'm a guy who. Cars have never been, uh, I guess, a central f- focus of my life. Cars, to me, have always been something that gets me from point A to point B. Okay. But what I've seen with you guys' stuff at, uh, at the Miller Subaru dealerships that intrigues me, just just my personal thought, is the whole promise pricing yeah. situation. I know you've talked about it in the past on this show, but I wanted to just plug it a little bit more and explain. This is a new kind of phenomenon in car buying, I feel like, and you guys are kind of on the forefront of it. Yeah, we started about five years ago, five, six years ago. We went, I mean, a lot of there are many stories out there that do it, not a lot, but yeah. there's some that are out there. So we borrowed the idea from a couple of friends that I knew up in Oregon that okay. were doing it. And the idea of it is just people hate negotiating. No one wants to negotiate for cars. Really, yeah. the numbers we look at, it's about 15% of population likes to negotiate and really wants to fight you and get the best price. And 15%. That's 15%. higher than I thought. Yeah, it's about 15%. Okay. Those are the people that are. I mean, we deal with that a lot still, but yeah. that, that we'll send out an email to 15 different d- dealers all across the Western United States, putting everyone against each other and, and see what they creating do. matrices and saying, oh, <laughs> I'm going to get the best. I'm going to spend 20 hours of my life to Getting save me the, $200. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So that, that person, because they enjoy it. Yeah. That's great. And we literally just basically tell them that we're probably not the place to buy a car from. <laughs> it's okay. So... We looked at it and said the vast majority of people just want to be taken care of and want to be treated right and get a fair mm-hmm. price. And so the idea is we give a fair price to everybody right off the get-go, and we don't have to negotiate. We don't negotiate. I, not I, only do we not have to, we won't. Yeah. I, if you yeah. ask us at the end of the deal for some floor mats or 50 bucks off, we'll tell you no <laughs> because we lower our prices to the point yeah. where we can sell everybody that's the car at the same price. You walk in, you see the price, that's the price you pay. I think mm-hmm. that, that that concept in car buying, I think it has a lot of people like – is this is that legitimate? And it is. It, I've talked to. I know Austin drives a, drives a Subaru. Adrian drives a Subaru. I unfortunately do not. At some point, hopefully in the future, I, I do. But I think it's cool that you can walk in. Similar, if you were going to the grocery store, if you're going to any other big box retailer, etc. You walk in, you see the price, and yeah, that's the price you pay. 
I think that concept it it, it latches on to people and they're like, okay, yeah, this is I can deal with this. I like this because that that way you're not having to haggle and go back and forth. You've got to go talk to your manager. You've got to talk with your. It, it eliminates all of that. It's fantastic. Absolutely, and and we did it. The idea is to be fully transparent. So yeah. we're going to show all the numbers. I mean, you go to our and, and go to our website, markmoshubru.com, mark, and you will find every car in our inventory. With it shows the sticker price of the car, the discount, your promise price, and you can actually click the build build my deal button and get a payment with tax license everything in it down to the penny on that car. You can even add if you really want to. You can even go down to the point where you can add a service contract or you can add all that on. coverage okay. or okay. anything that we sell in the back end. You can add that on and see what the price is there, and it won't change. It just totals all. all yeah, of it won't up. change here versus when you come in. It's gonna be the same number. See, and that's the cool thing about it. I, I actually just had a discussion with a friend. This is probably going back six or seven months. And they were in the market for a vehicle. And they were like, did you know you can buy a car online? I'm like, yeah, you can. It's pretty sweet. You can go online. You just click the features you want. And then you show up to whichever dealership. In this case, you go to the Millers. And you go Miller Subaru. And you just check it out. And all of a sudden, there you go. There's your car. And you've you've done all of it online. You can literally so we have in our express system, so express.markmillersubarumidtown.com, yeah. okay. Southtown. You can literally go on there, pick your car, go in there, decide what okay, so I'm in there right now. I look for a lease on an Impreza, two seventy three forty eight a month. Okay. I can put my trade in, in there. I can use Kelly Blue Book instant cash offer, get Sweet. a trade value on it. I can go in there, add my service contract if I want a service contract. Add other options like that, and then I can click lease this car, and it'll literally ask me for a copy of my driver's license, copy of my insurance card, That's fill nice. out my credit app. We'll send everything to us. We'll, we'll call you 15, 20 minutes later and say, all right, we've submitted. You're approved. And off you go. And when you, we'll have you ready. Then basically they'll tell, they'll tell you about the service contract and all those options yeah. and come in, sign your paperwork, and drive out with the car. You don't even have to worry about it. If that's the car you want. We verify everything. Yeah. That's... See, that idea, I think that's fantastic. It hasn't caught on yet. I mean, I think- Is people, it still not? There's just still some weariness to it. I think people will get there. But, okay. But one thing about it is and people talk about, oh, well, that's kind of how it's going to be in the future. A car buying in the future is going to be like Amazon. You're just going to go on there and pick your car and come in and pick it up. And I don't see it. Really? No. There's too much emotion in a car purchase. Just like you'd never buy a house online. That is a good point. Like, you're never going to go buy a house online. Yeah. You're going to go- there's too much people wanting to touch and feel and look at the little options and smell I think the new car smell. There's a, there's a smell tangible thing about it, yeah. There's a tangible thing about the car yeah. that people want to see, that it gets beyond the level of just buying something online. Okay. Well, even if it hasn't caught on, though, there are people out there who prefer to shop online. Totally. Right? And they'll do this. Yeah. And, and this is what happens. And then they come into the store. And then they want to- Touch the car, look yeah. at it, make sure it's right. Then they sign the paperwork. Speeds up the process a lot. Well, yeah, they, we recommend it for everybody. If they've picked out all that stuff, absolutely. But it's, we haven't gotten to the point where we thought we would, where eventually it's just, okay, we'll do all this. Uh-huh. We'll come to your house, drop off the car, sign paperwork, and you own the car. Oh, really? Okay. Like, we'll do that. Uh-huh. Just not many people will go that far. I can see why people want to just like it, it's it's their car because this is I've had the car I drive it's my daily driver I've had it let's see I bought it in 2015 so I've had it for five years now okay. and I have to say it's it is my car it's it's, it's my vehicle I understand that pe- people get connected get attached to their vehicles absolutely and I can understand that that people want to come in get their hands on it a little bit, kind of see what it looks like in person. And then, but the fact that you guys at least offer this where they can go in online, 
pick all the different features and all the service contract that out of the way that's like you said it speeds it up at least a little bit that way you're not having to sit there and be like okay now you got to fill out this now you got to do this i mean my hope and we're trying to develop systems in our place that within two or three years that 20 percent of our customers never see the store Okay, cool. Ever. So we'll, we'll sell a, we can sell you a car, we'll deliver it to your house. Mm-hmm. When it's time for you to service, I mean, for example, in our service right now, um, we do a two-year maintenance plan on all the new cars we sell. Okay. And then that maintenance plan includes free pickup and drop-off. Oh, really? So okay. So we'll come to your house, pick up your Take car. Take your car. Go do it. Okay. Yeah, we'll do that for you. So, and even that, when it's free, people are still wary about it. They haven't <laughs> quite gotten to it, but we're getting there. We're educating. I... I think you guys are doing great work in that regard, though, because if you can, yeah, it, it, there. I think there still always be people who want to touch, feel, test drive that vehicle before they ultimately make the run. Because you're right, you're right. You don't go buy a house online and then show totally. up and be like, "Hey, this is my new house. What does it look like in person?" I, I I understand that part of it. All right, so let us know if you guys are out there. Let us know how your tastes in cars have changed over the years. We've got a couple of responses on Twitter we can get to real quick here. Uh, first one that came in, it says, I really love good gas mileage now. That's how it is. Uh, this is okay. Chad Clough on Twitter, at Chad uh, C. Clough. He says, I re- really love good gas mileage now. I think a lot of people are in that boat because we're seeing gas mileage increases and they keep going up and up. You mentioned the fact that you're, you're ga- you have a gas, gas hybrid electric right now, mm-hmm. and you said you've used a quarter tank. You've gone 380 miles. Yeah, just over a quarter tank. And that's the future is going to be there, especially when you get to electric and these plug-ins, mm-hmm. and that you're going to move away from those gas motors. But that's why, I mean, it's, we talk about leasing a lot on the show. That's why we encourage leasing is that even a standard yeah. Gas engine every year gets increases. Correct. They get yeah. better and better every year. I mean, an Outback now gets 34, 35 miles a gallon. An Outback? And an Outback. That is fantastic. Right? I mean, a Prez is close to 40. <laughs> that's awesome. And a regular gas car, all wheel drive. Yeah. Like, that's, and it, that's why you lease a car, is because you get that better technology, you save just a lot of money in just gas. I, I would totally agree with that. I've got, so, uh, my father-in-law loves cars, yep. and he, he – <laughs> my wife likes to refer to it as his used car lot. Okay. <laughs> but his cars are all newer. Like, he's bought them all in the last five and to ten years. he just keeps them all? He, at, yeah, he keeps most of them. He's got a uh, Ford Raptor right now. He's got a Jeep, I think. He just, okay. But he likes his different cars, but he always talks about the fact – he's like, every year – there's a new thing that comes out, and it makes me mad looking at the gas mileage increase on whichever engine or whichever model mm-hmm. that I don't have. And I think that, that that idea of, yeah, you lease a car, you have it for, what, standard term is about three years, right? What's the standard term now on a, on a lease? Uh, yeah, three. Three, three, and three, and a, three and a half years. And then by, at that point... When you turn in that vehicle, you, you take it back to the dealership. Well, there have been a bunch of upgrades and a bunch of, and mainly increases in just in terms of the efficiency in those models. Mm-hmm. And that's I absolutely agree. That 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 concept alone is a fascinating one because you're right. If you're getting 34, 35 miles a gallon now in an outback, think about an outback maybe even a decade ago, how much of an increase it's been. Exactly. And that's the key is that I mean, if you look at it, I wonder if I could get gas mileage. I mean, the average gas mileage of a vehicle, real-world fuel economy on the road right now is okay. almost 20, 25, 26 miles a gallon. Okay. And that's considering where that's we've up. come if from? If you went back 10, 15 <laughs> years, that number was in the teens. Sheesh. And as a credit to technology, it's credit mm-hmm. to the car makers. The same thing, CO2 yeah. emissions have gone down amazingly. Yeah. 
I mean, that's a, that's why cash for clunkers work so well when they did it at the beginning is because literally the CO2 differences Correct. just year to year. If they did cash for clunkers, just a 10-year-old car now versus the, car, the same car, the mm-hmm. same Camry then, the same Camry now, it's vastly improved yeah. in environmental. There's no doubt about that. So let us know uh, your guys' thoughts. The whole gas mileage thing to me, because I, I do have a, a little bit of a commute into work, and that's something that I'm very cognizant of in, in my vehicle. And I, I like that Chad brought that up, because with gas mileage, the more they keep going up, and you're right, with the whole how technology is coming in, electricity, ele- fully electric models, et cetera, I think we're only going to continue to see those go up. Do you think that there's a point, though, Jeff, that we come to where – we almost maxed out in terms of efficiency. Does that make sense? Is there a is there an end point? <laughs> uh, there has to be an end point. You're yeah. never getting infinite. Yeah, we're not going to be fully 100% efficient, et cetera, yeah. No, I mean, the interesting thing, though, is that the miles per gallon has increased mm-hmm. while the percentage, well, the cars are getting bigger. That's true. That I mean, is... That's the interesting economy. Imagine if we still had the same percentage of sedans on the road <laughs> that we did 10 years ago, If how good the gas mileage would be. That's a good point. I mean, the sedan number, number has gone down so far. I mean, sedan, I think, so if you look at it, 1975, sedans made up 80% of the vehicles on the road. So, in, so 75 is what? So 1975, so that's 40, 45 years, five ago. years ago. Yeah. Literally, 70, 80% of the cars on the road were sedans. Okay. This year, that number was 35. Holy smokes. We cut it in over half. Yeah. Sheesh. And I've, I've heard a lot about the fact that people are favoring crossovers, SUVs these days. The big one's trucks. If you really look at the graph in, I mean, if you look back in 1975, uh-huh. trucks were 2% of the market. Okay. 3% of the market. Now they're probably 25 Sheesh. And we live, in, we live in a state here in Utah. A lot of people trucks love their SUVs. trucks. Yeah, trucks, SUVs. Are, I mean, stri- full straight pickup trucks are 12% of the market now, which is a pretty crazy number. SUVs, I mean, back in 75, 70s, mm-hmm. SUVs didn't exist. No. They, was, there was no such thing as yeah. SUV. SUVs really started in the 80s and then really picked up in the 2000s. They did. Absolutely. And then now what's happened is, is they've been able to get the fuel economy and the crossovers and the SUVs mm-hmm. that you can get in a car. So people are like, why am I getting a car anymore? I could have a hatchback that could get room to put stuff in. That's true. Why would I buy a why would I buy a sedan when I could buy a Yeah. Impreza or something like that that has a little more room in the back Correct. get the same gas mileage or better. Yeah. So that's why people have moved off that sedan stuff. It's crazy. It it is cool though, and I think part of it is we're we're seeing just the technology increase. And it, so, my parents recently, my mom, she loves her SUVs. She always has loved them. I grew up uh, when I was really young. My parents had a minivan, but in the 1990s, when SUVs really started taking off, my parents went to an SUV. They drove a suburban for a while. My mom uh, switched into a Chevy Tahoe. She she bought a Tahoe in 2009, and she's driven it for a decade, and she calls it her rolling couch on wheels. It's kind of the running joke in the family. She absolutely loves this vehicle. Well, I showed up to my parents' house. This is just three weeks ago, and she's got a brand new Tahoe sitting in the driveway. Okay. And I, I walk in the house. I'm like, Mom, you bought a new car. She's like, yeah, finally decided to, to switch it out. And so in the since she got that the new Tahoe, I've been talking to her about it. I asked her just the other day, like, what do you like about it? She's like, you wouldn't believe how many more miles a gallon I'm getting. And this isn't a Chevy Tahoe. This yeah. is We're talking, Tahoes are on kind of on the it's heavier not, end. Still probably getting high teens. Yeah, but they're still on the heavier end oh, of SUVs oh, and everything. For sure. But the fact that she was commenting on the fact of how much it, 
more efficient than how much maybe more gas uh, the miles per hour she's getting miles per gallon she's getting excuse me she was pretty impressed just even in that regard so i think the the technology is it, it's phenomenal and i'm i look forward to seeing where it goes uh because I've always, I've just, I'm intrigued with the whole idea of electric vehicles. I, I look at kind of where that's going, et cetera, and how many car makers are now doing it. You mentioned the fact that Subaru and Toyota are working on a, a project. When you get to a story here in a minute, uh, Hummer is going to go electric. Have you heard about mm-hmm. this? All, all of them are. I mean, Rivian's coming into town. I mean, right in the 2008 model year, 2018, uh-huh. so this is a study from the EPA, okay. automotive trend study from EPA.gov, right? In 2018, United States cars... Three percent, okay. Was plug-in EV. So this is in 2018. Yeah. So, so just plug-in electric. Okay. So I have gotcha. some sort of electric motor yeah. in it. All right. Or fuel cell. So you, they'll put hydrogen in there yeah, too. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Three percent. Okay. Hybrid four percent. All right. So that's seven percent of the market. That's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> right. That, that's tiny. It'll be interesting. It's really going to be interesting over the next ten years to see where that number goes. But the cool thing is, you look at some of that too. The big jumps have been fuel-saving technologies. Correct. Turbos. Yes. Turbos are up to 31% of the market now. 31% really? 31% of the cars on the road have a turbo. turbo in them? Okay. And you look at some of the manufacturers. BMW, 97% of BMWs are turbo. Okay. 86% of Mercedes. 56% of Ford. 40% of GM. All right. 44% of Honda. Only 5% Subaru. But um, then you look, I mean, the other big ones, um, CVT. Okay. So continuously variable yeah. transmission. You're seeing a big jump. That's up to 22% of cars now. Okay. CVT transmission. Wow. Subaru's 92%. Honda, 63%. Nissan, 76 And it's how they're getting gas mileage. Yeah. Is they're using these technologies to try and figure out how to get gas mileage. How So you probably have more of an insight on this because of what you do with Mark Miller. How long does that technology, in terms of when the idea is thought of, let's put it, so like a car maker comes up with an idea, we could increase fuel, fuel economy with this technology versus actually deploying it in a model year. Does that make sense? How long does that take to kind of come to fruition? You're at least a two, three year cycle. Okay. So, it, so, and generally a lot of these technologies get patented. Okay. Right? So, so someone yeah. owns a patent to a CVT engine. Yeah. And so Subaru wants to use that CVT engine. They're paying They're for paying every f- transmission yeah. they do. The other, the big one that's that's really across everyone that's worth the most of the gas mileage increases is mm-hmm. direct injection engines. Okay. So the uh, it's called GDI. So it's yeah. direct injection engines. You look at that number right now. It is fifty one percent of the cars on the road. So over half have have this direct. And you look injection. at some of the some manufacturers. It's almost one hundred percent. Mazda ninety six, Honda seventy six, Kia eighty six, VW ninety nine percent. BMW, 94%. Mercedes, 100%. Okay. Ford, 42%. GM, 89% direct injection. And they're just they're finding these different ways. Seven-plus gear transmissions, yeah. which you would have never thought of in the past, no. right? No. Seven-plus gear transmissions. So between CVTs and seven-gear yeah. transmissions, you add just those two together, you're at 58% of the cars on the road today. It's fascinating. And it's how they're... Yeah. It's the manufacturers being smart on how they're getting these cafe standards without spending crazy amounts of money. <laughs> it's it is cool and I it, it's nice to hear that I see if I had I been thinking of that question I just asked you in terms of how much it takes how long it takes to deploy that in a model. The nice part is it 2 to 3 years. That's a lot quicker than I would have thought it took. And this and this report I've got from 2018. Okay. You take no. this to 2020, those numbers are up another 20-30%. It's project yeah, it's going to be on it, across the board. 
That's awesome. I think that's fantastic. I think that's a cool thing that I think where technology is going. Uh, let's hit a let's hit a timeout here. We'll come back on the other side. I want to talk about this electric Hummer because the idea of Hummer, which was probably one of the most gas guzzling vehicles, <laughs> being electric, <laughs> yeah, going to electric. We need to discuss this. We got a lot coming up here on Utah Car Sense. Feel free to weigh in with your thoughts. Every who calls in and participates with the show is eligible to win uh, movie tickets from Mark Miller Subaru. Eight five five three four zero nine. 663. Y'all can weigh in on social media. I'm at Jacob C. Hatch. Jeff, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me oh, on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Miller 3734. Jeff Miller 3734. And also you can weigh in. You can go to the Zone's Twitter feed as well, at Zone Sports Net. Let us know your thoughts. Love to hear from you guys. And obviously, like you said, we will have prizes at the end of the show. This is Car Sense on the Zone Sports Network. Since here on the Zone Sports Network, I'm Jay Catch, filling in for Austin Horton along with Jeff Miller from Mark Miller Subaru, both Midtown and Southtown. Go on out and check them out. Uh, we I pass by their dealerships all the time. All right. I mentioned before the break, I wanted to talk about Hummer. Uh, of course, when Hummer came out, obviously, it was a development from uh, the military and it came into the, the population as a whole. And it became almost a symbol, I think, of of excess in the United States for a time. There, it was just oh, without question, huge vehicles, just gas guzzling. <laughs> just they were, yeah, they they were. I remember just them touting how much gas it would guzzle for you. Oh, absolutely, that was the car. It was. It was without question the car for like the person who wanted to be the obnoxious person driving a Hummer. I drive a Hummer. Yeah, I drive a Hummer. <laughs> That's how cool I am. I, which is good. It's interesting that they're bringing it back. The sad thing is they really killed a bunch of dealers they when did. they got rid of Hummer. They did. Because what they did for Hummer is they required all of their dealers to build a custom building for a Hummer. If you remember those really? buildings, yeah. they had a big H yeah. on the front door. And that was required. And it was required to be a Hummer dealer, and then they dropped the brand. Yeah, and they killed it off like they just overnight. They killed like. them. Yeah. And like, so there are a lot of people that end up with these huge buildings with H's on them that are like, <laughs> oh, what are we going to do with this? Tear it down. Yeah, uh, I, I think the one in, I think the signer one got torn down. I think, yeah, I think yeah, the you're one right. On yeah, 13th, the one on Seventeenth South, yeah. right there. I, that, that I one, do remember just, that one. I think they just yeah. tore the building down. Sheesh. Well, it's coming back. Hummer is being reborn <laughs> under the GMC brand, though. It's going to come in under yeah, under the GMC. Uh, resurrect the Hummer name on an upcoming vehicle that will arrive next year with an electric powertrain. And you and I reading up on this, you mentioned this in the break. The numbers on this thing are just Hilarious. fascinating. 1,000 horsepower. Yes, you heard me right. One with three zeros behind it. 1,000 horsepower. Zero to 60 in three seconds. I That boggles my mind, Jeff. The fact that this because Hummers, they're just big vehicles. That thing is going to be able to get to 60 miles an hour in three seconds. It's just, it blows my mind just thinking about the, the technology that's going in to do something like this. I don't know. <laughs> wait till you see it. I know. That's the, that's the way you want. So things like this, you got to wait till you see it. Well, it's, it's also 11,500 pounds, pound feet of torque. Yeah, also. They're saying the official reveal for it. So the Super Bowl, they're only going to show the grill. The grill of it, yeah. yeah it'll be the front grill of it. Mm-hmm. They say the official reveal of it's in May. Okay. May 20th is when the official reveal, and the first production model will be available fall of 2021. So it's still a ways away. Yeah. But I just... The, I, the, up to 1,000 horsepower, up to 11,500 pounds-feet of torque, <laughs> 0 to 60 in three seconds. 
sounds like hype to me, but see what happens. The numbers they're putting out there, yeah, it just it makes you think, what in the world? Are you, do you guys get something that nobody else has? And the question is, I mean, if you're trying to put batteries that powerful and that big in that car based on battery prices now, it's a $100,000 car. Sheesh. Okay. I mean, they'll say whatever they want, but, but I mean, those, how do you think Tesla does it? Well, yeah, it's right? true. I mean, Tesla's putting, and you're talking about a Tesla that's t- taking a car that's Correct. half the size. Yeah. You talk about the full truck. The Tesla truck's going to be a hundred thousand dollar truck. Oh, that easily, yes. The, yeah, right. And the same idea. They haven't been able to get, in order to get that kind of horsepower and that kind of torque and a thing like that takes some pretty serious batteries. Correct. Serious batteries weigh a lot. They weigh, a and they ton. take a huge yeah. structure to them to handle it, and that's just a lot of steel to be able to build. That's going to be a eight nine thousand. That's going to be probably a nine thousand pound truck. So it's still going to be heavy. It's still going to be the weight of these things are going to be insane. But it's because of the the, the battery technology that's going into it is what's going to weigh these 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 down. But you're right. Just it, I looked at that when I saw that last night. The fact that GMC is re is bringing back Hummer it just made me chuckle because the fact that uh, thinking of a Hummer because like I said it used to be almost the the point people would it was a point of pride i drive a hummer i'm that annoying guy that you don't want to deal with but now it's going to be electric that's just a fascinating fascinating I mean, when they came out with the tesla Cybertruck, correct which came yeah. out a few things they they said it was going to be a class 2b medium duty vehicle which a class 2b medium duty vehicle are rated to weigh between 8500 and 10,000 pounds okay so, so i mean a standard truck weighs about five or six thousand correct pounds, i was going to say the, right yeah i mean that's a heavy heavy car and then one of the worries that you've got a lot of people worried about when cars like this come out on the mm-hmm. road is especially considering the fact they're not paying gas taxes yes so they're not paying for road repair mm-hmm. those kind of trucks the do weight. major damage yeah. to our roads correct major damage to our roads so people haven't really thought about that side of this electric revolution it is it is something and we've seen the state legislatures kind of been debating this how they're going to kind of balance because they've seen the tax revenue from vehicles, gas taxes, et cetera, go down because of the new technologies going into vehicles, the electric mm-hmm. hybrids, et cetera. It is something absolutely, and you're right, the weight of these vehicles, as, as the trend has always been, wait, if you go back to the 1970s, cars were heavy just because, but the technology, new alloys, new uh, technology has gone in, has made cars lighter over the years, but now with these batteries going in, they're getting heavier again, once again. And that's, like we said, like for battery technology... The biggest key for that is figuring out weight and cost. They got to get them smaller. They got to get them costless, and they're working on it. But they that's are. Our question. That's what they're fighting for. And I, I respect the fact that they're working on it. I just it, it is interesting to see. It, will these things get lighter over time? Will we see that same trend as this technology develops, et cetera? Will they get lighter over the time? All right, eight five five three four zero nine six six three. Weigh in with your thoughts, vehicle questions, etc. Jeff's here to answer all of your questions. 855-340-ZONE. Love to hear from you guys. Got another response here to our question, Jeff. And the question, if you guys haven't heard already, the question of the day here on the show is, how has your taste in cars changed over the years, if at all? And then the follow-up, what caused you to change tastes? Uh, Evan Frost weighed in at E. David Frost on Twitter. He said, Chrome. And here's what he says. Chrome. Yeah, Chrome. When I was young, I didn't like it. As I've grown in my love of cars and Chrome has faded in its use, I've grown a real appreciation for it. And then he adds, 50s Chrome should have a renaissance. <laughs> well, he's going to like the new Hummer electric car, right? <laughs> it looks like it's got plenty of Chrome yeah, on that grill. Plenty of Chrome on that, baby. Yeah. 
So chrome. the the whole idea, the fifties chrome. I think he's thinking more about way back when, when because uh, chrome still is on vehicles. It depends you still on what see it. You, you still just, see you're it. Not, you're just not seeing the chrome as much. Yeah, these it's days. it used to be. I mean, even saw like even. Ten years ago, you started seeing it come back. You started seeing cars come out with chrome wheels and chrome yeah. wheel packages. Mm-hmm. Now, now the more popular thing is matte. I know. Matte and black and the, matte paint jobs. The like, quote-unquote murdered outlook. Yeah, but you're seeing more yeah. matte. Correct. Where it's a, a true matte paint job or matte wheels and things like that. That's what you're seeing more these days in a chrome look. Is that a trend in Utah alone or is that more of a national thing? Because I think chrome here struggles because you saw all the salt and the snow and the rain. All. I, with the matte trend? With, no, with the chrome the versus chrome? matte. It, I, I just wonder because chrome can get faded pretty quickly you with all of the stuff. Not, you don't see a lot of many. Where I base the trend is based yeah. on manufacturer package. Okay. Like aftermarket. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Whatever, off. whatever you want. You never know yeah. what's going to happen there. But with manufacturer packages, you just don't see those chrome packages okay. anymore. You're starting, and you're starting to see factory paint jobs in matte. Oh, so they're actually starting to offer yeah, it. Yeah, so some okay. of those, like, you see the matte cars on the road, and those aren't all aftermarket. You're seeing you can brands buy, come you out. You can buy it. Yeah, okay. I think BMW's got a matte paint color Okay, that they come out on the 7 Series. Like, you can yeah. buy matte paint colors now. Okay. Subaru hasn't gotten there yet. But. I was going to say, like, are we, we going to see that the Mark Miller dealerships in the near future? Where you We've can... started doing some accessories. <laughs> we, haven't, we haven't jumped into the paint world yet. Okay. All right. We've done some cool stuff on – so we started doing a thing. Uh, one of our sales managers down at our Southtown store, we call it MM Design. We started okay. building off-roading Outbacks and Foresters and stuff. So Really? We're putting two-inch lifts on Foresters, Outbacks, Ascents. So you could take them down to southern Utah? Yeah, and... we're putting two-inch lifts on them. We're putting, we just did a new one – this week with a built-in, like a Jeep, like okay. a built-in wench in the front yeah. grill of a cross I was going to ask you, do you guys, are you guys yeah, building so a company called okay. Weld. They right. did a, have a yeah. custom Weld grill on it. They just put it on that. We just, just we have one of those on our showroom floor right now at Southtown. But wheel kits, all-terrain tires. Okay. We do some light kits we're doing on things. Have you taken one out to test I, it out? I've never taken it out off-road. I've never tested it actually out there, but... It's it's the future, and um, Subaru is actually going to start making out a manufacturer thing in a couple of years where they're releasing what they're going to call the Wilderness Edition. Okay. And it's going to kind of try to compete against the Jeep Trailhawks. Gotcha, okay. So you have the Trailhawk editions of the Jeep, which aren't right. quite to a Wrangler, but, no, right, but kind of between. Yes. Like when you get like It's a, almost their high, their their crossover look almost. Yeah, where they get a little lift yeah. on it, yes. more off-road, skid plates, things like Correct. that. Subaru's going to release a Trailhawk version of the Outback and Forester next year. That'll be cool. Which will be a custom edition. Yeah. Built for off-roading, little lift kits on them. Okay, but we'll still have all Subaru's technology and. But right now, safety. If, you, if you want to do that, you guys have. Yeah, uh, we've been doing them in-house. Yeah, we, and we put up to seven, eight thousand dollars packages on some of these cars. Well, it's just fascinating to have a to think you can put a winch like a Jeep on a Outback or a Forester, and you could take it out in Southern Utah, go to the, down to Red Rock Country, and now see if I can find a picture for you. Go cruising around. I think that's that's fan, that's fantastic because I've got so I mentioned my father-in-law and his vehicles. He's got he's got his Jeep is all decked out to do the whole rock crawling off roading thing. That's we enjoy doing. It. It's a lot of fun. But the 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 cool idea is I would be fascinated to do that in an Outback or a Forester or even, I don't know, is Crosstrek, you guys do those as well, or is that still on the... Crosstrek's what we're generally been doing them in. Okay, gotcha. So that's been the, kind of the main thing. Okay. Yeah, so if you follow my follow my Twitter at JeffMiller3734, and I'll, I'll post a couple pictures of the, that car. Well, check that out. That's... that's yeah, so give me a couple minutes. That is that. really cool, actually. I think that that idea, you're right, it is coming, and I... I, I commend you guys for even being on top of that. And it'll be cool to see those uh, having a 
a standardized Subaru come out with one that's trying to compete with that Trailhawk look. All right, I got another story here wanted to hit up on. Uh, kind of sticking with our whole theme today, a lot of electric car news. Aston Martin, obviously known as a sports car brand, international icon, uh, very much in the racing scene. Well, they have officially delayed all of their plans for electric vehicles after taking on a new investment from Formula One billionaire Lawrence Stroll. Uh, The company says it's indefinitely suspended its first electric car, the Rapid E, after refusing to confirm rumors about the project earlier this month. It has pushed the launch of its all-electric Lagonda sub-brand back from 2022 to no earlier than 2025. Is that a setback you feel like, or is that just kind of a, an outlier? I think it's just par for the course. Okay. I mean, generally, something like that. It's it just par for the course. Okay, i got to post it up. Okay, So cool. if you go to Jeff Miller, 3734, you'll be able to see the, the specialized winch we put into a cross check. So it basically cuts out the front part of the bumper and integrates into it. I'm looking at it right now. Oh, that's way cool, actually. Yeah, it's Warren, Warren is the name of the brand on uh-huh. it. But it's pretty cool. Well, the nice part is that that, that winch isn't super pronounced either. It's no, not just and it's sitting. A true, and that's a true winch. It's hooked yeah. into the frame of the car. I mean, it's a okay. true you can usable you, yeah, you can use it it's but like i see a lot of jeeps and everything they're they've created a specialized plate where it's kind of just sits on the bumper there this is almost integrated into it i like that i think that's a fantastic look and so that is this one at mark miller right now people could go see that yeah that's at our south town store right now okay. i'll post another one of one that's at our uh that's what we can kind of do to the outbacks too okay i mean we've really we've really gotten creative on how to do some of these cars and Subaru doesn't like it very much, but it's what customers want. Well, I think, and, and it's kind of our goal is we're going to do what customers yeah. want, right? Well, you're in the business of, hey. Yeah, we have to satisfy customer needs. Yeah. If a customer is asking us to put lifts and stuff on cars, it's kind of something we got to do for customers. Well, so. and this is a state we live in. A lot of people in the state of Utah like going off-roading. They like going into the backcountry and exploring. And I think that you guys, yeah, I think you guys are kind of doing – what you should be doing to help these help people yeah, in the state, I mean, yeah, and that's how we're really excited for the wilderness packages and that stuff to come because it's helpful. Just like I just posted the Outback too. I just saw that. It's yeah, out there too. So that's a two inch lift on an Outback. Okay, and it's what the market wants. We've been trying to get Subaru to do it for years. They didn't do it, so we're gonna fill the we're gonna fill the hole. Yeah, and now they're coming out with their own edition of it, but mm-hmm. and fact- they're gonna start doing it. And we're really trying to push. And I was on the national council for a while for Subaru. We really tried to push them to try and do a Wrangler competitor. There's really? out there in the world to compete with a Wrangler. That would actually be a fascinating idea to see a Subaru come out with something to compete with the Wrangler. That a would true be cool. rock crawler. Uh, like a, a legitimate, a legitimate off-road, off-road built uh-huh. rock crawler. That'd be cool. I think that'd be really so, we've fascinating. We've been asking for it. Whether it ever happens, who knows. But what is what was Okay, tell me this. When you guys first proposed that to them, what was their thought on it? I just, They're I, open to it. Okay. I mean, the problem that they've got is that Subaru for the last decade has been selling so many cars they haven't been able to make enough cars to meet their demand. Yeah, so, so they're looking at it like, why would we spend a billion dollars? Where are we going to go put this technology? Why yeah, would I, mean, we, it's yeah. a, I mean, it's half a billion dollars to develop a new vehicle. Like, why Correct. are we going to spend that to for yeah. a car we can't build anyway? Yeah, where we're making money hand over fist over here. Why would we? Yeah, why would we do that? <laughs> that's. I think that's cool though. That at least you guys have proposed something like that because you're right. Jeep has essentially owned the off-road market, the rock-crawling market, for a long, long time. Well, that's, they're pretty much all that's out there. They're synonymous. Yeah, with like, it. I mean, yeah. you go down to Moab, you only see Jeeps. Mm-hmm. It's right? true. You might see a Ford Bronco. Maybe some trucks. You might see an old-school Ford yeah, Bronco that's been, re- that's been retrofitted. Or, yeah. yeah, like, I mean, but the rock-crawling world's a Jeep world, and it'd be interesting to see if you could get in there and fight it. Can I ask you, 
have you seen the the whole trend I've noticed is all these car brands are all going towards making their own truck. Mm-hmm. Do you like that trend? I think the guys that make trucks should stick to making trucks. Okay. All right. <laughs> I mean, you see some of these trucks, it's like, eh, that's not a truck. Yeah. And it's them trying to make their SUV and I have t- a tech truck bed. I tend to agree it's with you in that truck. regard. Like Subaru, I mean, that's one thing. I, a lot of people have asked Subaru to try and make a truck. Oh, they have. Okay. It's like, no, like, that's not what we do. It's not It's not Subaru. our market. It's not Subaru. Subaru's yeah. not trucks. Like, we had our Baja, but that wasn't a truck. Yeah. I, I like, actually have a friend that still drives a Baja. Those are sweet. They're pretty cool. They're, They're really cool. Those. That's actually one of the popular, most popular used cars on the market. Oh, really? So people still want them? If, if, they we, get a, if we get a Baja in on trade, it doesn't make it more than a day. Really? If it comes maybe in, two, it's right back out. Maybe two. You get like 20 phone calls the first day of people all across the country. Really? Yeah. You just you can't find those. Uh, that's that's fascinating to me. I actually tell my buddy he's he's driven his for some time now. I need to let him know because they're a cool car. I've I've ridden in his Baja. It's just kind of a cool concept vehicle. All right, so yeah, I wanted to get back. So this Aston uh, Villa thing, it's kind of funny to me that even Aston Villa, we're talking this is a car brand that is synonymous with international racing. It's got an international icon, and they're pushing theirs back on their electric deal, but. It looks like it's more about the fact that they they needed money and everything, and they needed to probably push off development mm-hmm. to work on what they're synonymous with, and yeah. it's fascinating. Like that's what we try and I mean, we look at I look at the brands, and they should be good at what they're good at. <laughs> I I would tend to agree with you because right, like I hope like the Hondas and the Kias of the world don't try and get the trucks. Well, we've seen Honda. They came out. Well, yeah, Honda has the, a ridge line. The ridge line, yeah. It's gone off and on, whether it's been successful or not. And Correct. Honda's not a truck brand. No, it's not. And but they look at themselves as, we're a full brand car manufacturer. we got to have a truck. I drove a Honda in high school, a little, a little um, Honda Accord. And it, to me, I'm like, the thing I have a Honda truck is just a weird, weird thought just, to me. Yeah, I don't like that. I, I always, I, I grew up kind of in the era where, okay, if you wanted a truck, you essentially were looking at a Ford or a Dodge or um, or a Chevy. But now, yeah, you're right. All these other brands have kind of developed their own trucks, but you're right. Be good at what you do. I think that is kind of the where I tend to lie with regards to this. That's how we've always, I mean, just focus on what you can do. I, like the, the market's not expanding. <laughs> you're fighting for market share. You're not fighting for a bigger market. So speaking of trucks, um, the Jeep Gladiator, uh, they, yeah. came, they came out with their new truck. Uh, so I was reading this. This is Car and Driver. I saw this last night. So right now, when the Gladiator first launched, it was really hell. A lot of people wanted to get it. They thought it was awesome. But all of a sudden, the it seems like you can get them for relatively cheap right now, according to Car and Driver. The bottom kind of fell out on it after their initial launch. Now you can get them for pretty pretty cheap. Yeah, they're not. There's no markup on them anymore. They're Correct. They're pretty available now. It's not, not a bad looking truck. It's, it's kinda, not. It's kind of cool looking. I. Myself personally, I've never been a huge fan of Jeeps. Really? Okay. And I, th- for what they do, yeah, and what they are like to go off road. If you want to take your, if that's Jeep, what you want to do. You want, want to do it yeah. off road. But for an everyday driver, it's horrible. Uh, okay. It's especially those Wranglers. They are st- like you have a back. You have to have back surgery in five <laughs> in two years. Like they are so rough to drive. So when I met my wife, she drove a Wrangler. Okay. And it had been decked like, out. It had been decked out for off roading. Great rock crawler, no doubt about it. But she also did it, for, it was like her daily driving vehicle. And oh. 
it it is rough. It's rough. It is. They're not built to be daily. I, I'm speaking from personal experience. Yeah. When I married her, we still had it, and we uh, cha- traded it in a few years back to get a Honda Pilot. Uh-huh. She wanted a more of a mom car. She called it. That's yeah, not a good mom car on the Jeep. Yeah, but but there are certain cars that are built to do certain things. Correct. Like Subaru STI. Yes. Like a few years yeah. ago, Subaru STI. Yeah. It's a great car. It's yes. fun. It's fast. It's not a daily driver. No, it's a sports car. It's a sports car. Yeah. You will feel every bump, every <laughs> rock, every pebble you drive over it, the road. You it, are going to tuned, feel that yeah, pebble. It's tuned for that. Yeah. yeah. You are, it is built to feel every pebble, just like a Wrangler is built to feel every bump. You're correct. And yeah. if you're on a freeway, you are going to feel every bump. And people, yeah. don't, people don't get it. We, we've sold STIs to people before, and they'd like literally two, three months later come back and like, I need to trade it in. <laughs> and it's like, like I didn't realize well, it'd be so bumpy. I could have told you. And it's like, yeah, it's built. It's a race car. Yeah, and that's a that's an actual race car. You're supposed to feel every bump. It's not. It's built to go on a track yeah, and not, go really fast. It's not built to go eight ninety miles an hour on the freeway and not have you feel anything <laughs> yeah. like certain like Porsches and things yeah, like that. Absolutely, it's built to hold the road. Yeah, so it's pretty funny. It's just, that, that's the funny thing I have with Jeep buyers. Yeah, and you're right. So when the Jeep Gladiator launched, I thought like, that was cool because I was a kid who grew up. I dreamed of driving a Jeep Comanche. If you remember the original Jeep truck way back when, the Comanche model is what me and my dad spent years searching for one. Because my first vehicle, if you really want to go back, when I turned 16, I drove a little mm-hmm. fire engine red GMC Sonoma. It was the S10 yeah. counterpart back then. And the goal for my dad and myself for a while was to find a Jeep Comanche. We never could find one. It would just seemed like it would work out. And when, when the Gladiator launched, I remember sending it to my dad and saying, hey, look, Jeep just <laughs> launched a new truck. And he said, yeah, no. It's, it's a Jeep with a bed on the back of it. It is. It really is. And the Rubicon Edition in particular, it literally looks like they just extended out the, the Jeep Wrangler body and yeah, put a bed on it and said, hey, here you go. And they can get expensive, too. They, they can get can. up in the 50s. Correct. I mean, yeah. you get, I mean those Gladiators, the top-of-the-line ones, mm-hmm. they're not cheap. Yeah. The now, see, uh, so Sport S trim on smaller, smaller tires were originally listed at up to $70,000. They've now dropped by as many as $20,000 into the 50000 range. So... And that's, a, and that's the other issue I've got with – and I looked at it at the auto show is – and this is just my yeah. my personal view. Don't take anybody else on it. But the problem in the Jeep world is it is a bait-and-switch world. A little bit, is yeah. The base price of that Jeep you will never find. No. You are never finding a $34,000 Jeep Gladiator. No, you're not. No. Ever. No. Like they're, Unless you, can, you know somebody that works for Jeep you or can something. Package, yeah. I mean the packages yeah. that add on those cars are $15,000, $20,000. Correct. I mean, it's they just package and package and package so they can say starting at thirty three grand, but most of them they're selling at fifty. Yeah, you're not going to walk into a dealership and say, "Hey, and I, I want that thirty four thousand dollar version of the Jeep Gladiator." And they're like, "Yeah." We, and I get the need for packages, and I get it in super does it too, but yeah, keep it to a minimum. And the problem is they set it up that way so when crap hits the fan, mm-hmm. they can put a five thousand, eight, six thousand dollar rebate on it. Yeah. I can see that, yeah. And what all that does is the people who came to the market, your sweet, your bread and butter buyer, and mm-hmm. as a manufacturer, that person first to market that's going to be there to buy your new product every time, it's th- gets yeah. destroyed. Yeah, and I, that's why you lose loyalty. Yeah, I totally because agree. You get that new person to the market who ha- pays sticker for, mm-hmm. who's super excited about getting the new Outback, getting whatever the because brand they, is, because they've been locked in. Yeah, with they're this locked brand. in the thing. Yeah. They know they're following your blogs, they're following Correct. all your yeah. emails, they're following everything. They know the minute the Outback's going to hit the ground, they want the first one. Yeah, and then uh, six months later, you've got a seven thousand dollar rebate on it. Yeah, it, and you just kill that human being because they're th- and, they think and you wonder why you lose manufacturer loyalty. 
And that's why is because they come back in, they go, they come back to trade that car in two years later, and they're five, six, seven thousand dollars buried. It's tough. And yeah. we're, I mean, that's one thing I've been really proud of. I mean, the Hondas, the Toyotas, the Supers of the world, mm-hmm. they do a great job of not over rebating. And so they set the price where it should be right from the get-go, and, and the person who's buying the car at the beginning of the model cycle and the end of the model cycle are within a couple grand of each other. And that's great. Whereas a lot of these manufacturers, that gap mm-hmm. of original sell price to end of model sell price can get into that eight to $10,000 range. And that's a terrifying thought if you're a car buyer. And as much as you're losing 20% no matter what. Yeah. And add that onto it? Yeah, that's tough. It's brutal. All right, we'll come back on the other side. Still got open phone lines, 855-340-ZONE, 340-9663. Love to get you guys' thoughts on whatever you got, uh, questions, et cetera, about vehicles. This is Utah Car Sense right here on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM, and the Zone Sports Network.